with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own band, Helsinki. With me is my co-host, the lovely medium rare herself, Leslie Martin. Well, hello, Ron. How are you this evening? Oh, just ducky. <laughs> Ducky's a good thing. No, it isn't. <laughs> I have been <laughs> suffering for another injured back, so. Oh, not again. For, for, no, no, no. Been a pain for weeks, so there you go. Oh, I'm so sorry. I blame you. Well, that's okay. You can blame me for anything. I'm you usually the cause of the blame. You may be sitting in that seance. I, I did your fault. Speaking okay. about seances, I'm going to join us now. And who else to have on the show, the Van Helsing show, other than a vampire himself, Mr. Vlad? Greetings. Is that your scariest voice? No. <laughs> <laughs> so here's I'd like to go through, if you throw, if you went through Fright Kingdom, you heard part of my scariest voice. <laughs> Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So. Uh, interesting. The, uh, the This is a follower I, I, I met several years ago uh, when he used to live up in my neck of the woods. And then uh, he took flight and went down south with all the rednecks. And not I ain't got nothing against rednecks. I love rednecks, by the way. Uh, so <laughs> Jack Foss, Foxworthy, the cable guy, they're all my friends. I, I went where I didn't have to worry about having a snowblower or even owning a shovel. So I wish damn well I had gone with you since I just screwed yeah. up my back again. But anyways, I thank you so much for joining us. You're and Vlad... It's always a pleasure to talk to you. So. Oh, such a sweet talker. So Vlad is... Uh, first of all, let me congratulate you because he's just recently engaged. Oh, yeah. Yay! Was I supposed to mention I, uh, that, or is that taboo? You can, you can, sure, sure. It's not like, you know, I'm worried about, like, 18 other people finding out about it. Well, I didn't uh, want you, you know, <laughs> X people knowing that you, you would yeah. do it, and they're going to sue you for and, palimony uh, or something. I don't know. No, no, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm one of those, like, very Victorian people. I only one person at a time, and, you know. So. Uh, isn't that but, sweet? Uh, I actually... I actually asked her to marry me at the Haunted Mansion at Disney World. So, you know. Oh, how cool is that, huh? I mean, some people would think it was a little strange because the only bench as you leave the uh, Haunted Mansion leaving there is like right in the Pet Cemetery area. Oh, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I figured we were watched by like you know ninety nine nine hundred ninety nine ghosts, so it was fine. So, yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. It took a long time for me to find someone suitable that uh, enjoyed the same things that I do, and uh, somebody as crazy as you. 
Yeah, she's uh, more, you know, as as far as, like, I mean, she loves the ghost things and paranormal things as much as I do, but she's also a big uh, cryptozoologist person. She loves, like, Sweet. all of the aliens and Bigfoot and swamp monsters and all the other good stuff, so. See, watch this, too. See, Lake watch this. Yeah, sea monsters. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and barn gnomes and all the other good things, so. Excellent. <laughs> all my yeah. good friends, Pukwudgies. Yeah, yeah. She just awesome. uh, started checking into all of those things. We just saw a movie last night that was about like red caps, and she's like, "I didn't know all these things." <laughs> red caps? What are red caps? Uh, sort of an Irish version of like a na- like a cross between a gnome and an elf. But oh. uh, they live in they live near the garden, but you have to keep giving them like sort of offerings. You know, you have to leave like offerings out into the thing and and uh, they will watch you and take care of you if you uh, treat them respectfully but if you forget Mm -hmm. them or sort of uh, have a problem if someone is causing you harm then they will come to your aid what sort of offerings do they enjoy uh in the movie we're watching raw meat yeah (laughs) (laughs) she would have to to bring like a bowl of raw meat out to like the uh where the garden gate was and leave it there. And then why not? Mysteriously, all of the meat disappeared. So. Mysteriously. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Put, put raw meat out anywhere. And I guarantee it's going to mysteriously disappear. Yeah. No, it's the red cap. You know, I mean, it's, it's interesting because throughout the world, there are so many of these, uh, legends of different creatures and so forth. Uh, some of them cross over different uh, countries, different continents, uh, mm-hmm. different names, of course. But in, in a lot of them uh, seem to be, uh, you know, homegrown, whether they're in just Ireland or, or Ethiopia. Yeah, some, of, some of them are definitely geographic, but some of them definitely cross borders. I mean, you have like mm-hmm. sort of race-like spirits, you know, through many different time periods and and uh, cultures, and then you have dragons that cross all these different cultures, and you know the vampires and things like that. I mean, some cultures there's a crossover between vampires and sort of demonic succubi, but you know I think that goes back to the original concept that you know the original vampire was Lilith from the Bible. But you know, it's, and you have the chupacabras that are seem to be migrating north. I mean, they migrate as well. Sure, sure. Yeah, we I mean, call them we fishing cats. Like a lot of like, yeah, and we also have like a lot of different, uh, you know, animal type things, animal like weird things. Like uh, down here, they have like you know the devil dogs and, and things that are you know down towards here. But you know, yeah, but I mean, the, South Carolina, it's lizard lizard people. So yeah, I mean, but the devil dogs. I mean, the 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 evil dogs are those across cultures there's you know so many of them the sh- black shucks the uh sure. demon dogs out they're, they're everywhere yeah. they, you know they vary but yeah. they're much much the same yeah. but it's intriguing stuff so uh yeah uh the, it's interesting and it's it's interesting that you know all these things like have been around forever and uh, you know that there constantly is a uh, an interest in them you know it's like they don't mm-hmm. seem to fade now, on the international show, just before this one, we were talking a little bit how, you know, legends tend to uh, 
you know, grow from something, some facts, and then it's carried on and changed sometimes because it's passed on that the facts change and they grow out of uh, certain uh, true things. And uh, mm-hmm. that, that's how it happens. I mean, even, even, even cases like uh, Mandela effect where people uh, swear that certain things happen, or it's basically false memories, but uh, it, it grows from something and it's carried and carried until eventually people believe it and they, they don't mm-hmm. waste any time on it. They just think it's true. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, some people would argue that it's the collective consciousness, you know, that we're just remembering past situations that, you know, no, that, that, that we're not creating them, that we, we, in some point in history actually experienced them, but, you know, it depends on what psychologist you talk to. So it's, it's, I think it's not necessarily what we experienced, but what was experienced if energy is thought energy, our experience mm-hmm. energy is is uh, kept somewhere or, or travels somewhere or dimensionized somewhere and and it's tapped into, then this information could be accessible, which mm-hmm. is why we have mediums. Right, Les? Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then some people, some people refer back to it. And, you know, it's like, as far as I remember, it's like... Um, it, like they refer back to like the akashic, akashic like records. archives, you records, know, yeah. records. Yeah, sort of like there's this whole, you know, heavenly place that all this information is stored. So a lot of a lot of it is basically just rebranded modalities. Otherwise, they take a thought and it's just branded in a different way. Uh, if if you know what the, I'm trying to say, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, well, I mean of... you know, any any of us any of us that grew up like you know through going to bookstores when when New Age was the new thing, you know, back in the 70s, you know, you can see a lot of the books that came out there, like you know, in the beginning when you know bookstores actually accepted those type books as mm-hmm. you know being available with the. I mean, the first ones were like, you know, the Hans Holzer books and uh, Edward Casey Mm -hmm. and things like that. And then they started spreading from there into, you know, different... Yeah, Chariots of the Gods and... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cigarette Light Plants. The the Von Donneken stuff and everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, know, and then they've all sort of like reestablished like those things. I mean, you know, like a lot of that, like ancient astronaut stuff is like sort of, you know a lot of the things that they sort of blend into like the Dan Brown stories, you know, it's like these hidden symbols and things have been there throughout time and were, you know, metaphors and glyphs for some kind of a secret, you know, something. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, uh, you know, we got a, on a little path, but uh, I'd like to bring us back on to what you do, Vlad. And Vlad is also a magician. Uh, and you, you do, or I guess is the, is the correct term bizarre magic, or do you, I don't know if you. Um, I created a style. Bizarre magic was my first like first entrance into into because when I first started in magic, it was <clears throat> trying to blend haunted, cold you know I guess we'll say culture, haunted mm-hmm. 
you know, ghost stories, ghost legends, things that I learned from being a special effects artist that I got haunted attraction in with magic. And at that point in time, there really wasn't anything until the beginning of bizarre magic. And then looking at the archetypes that most people used, like to perform bizarre magic, they were these, you know, either a vampire hunter or a Miskatonic university professor or an ancient sorcerer. And none of those things really fit my imagery. So I with the concept of gothic magic, which was blending the archetypes of gothic literature and gothic art, which was, you know, the fog-shrouded streets and castles, you know, on the edge of a cliff and things like that, and Victorian drawing rooms and all of that good stuff, because that's the imagery I wanted to work with. Um, you know, and I, I used the vampire imagery for quite a long time. Uh, last year, I actually shifted because media has kind of decided that anyone that is not emo and or um, you know, 20 years old and looks androgynous isn't a vampire if you don't sparkle. So <laughs> I, I kind of have now switched my focus to being considering what's called, well, I consider myself a phasmologist, which was a term, you know, back in the sort of, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle days of like literature, one of the occult detectives or a ghost, a ghost, in, not a ghost hunter, a ghost investigator, where mm-hmm. I would investigate hauntings and not, you know, chase them away, but find out why the spirit was there, what it wanted and things like that and kind of solve the problem rather than, you know, trying to chase away a marshmallow man. So, so sort of like, uh, what was that one on, uh, it used to be on TV, the ghost whisperer. Yeah. Yeah. Or there was like, there were a series of stories called the Karnaki, uh, stories that he was, you know, sort of like blended ghost hunting things with occult detection and would go places and investigate all of these things, you know, not just to, you know, sell books or anything, but to, you know, go there and, and research things and find out whether there was a basis for why something would be haunted and, you know, what, what was the background to it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's interesting. I, you know, I blend. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, carry on. I, I blend now. I've been, you know, so I've been focusing more on like Getty's, you know, storylines with like Gettysburg and Borley Factory and Harry Price and uh, a lot of Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, Edgar Allan Poe. Um, not Lovecraft that much. I mean, I do have a Lovecraft show, but, you know, that's sort of a. Even when I was in New England, there were a lot of people that lived living in Salem that were, you know, like, oh, I don't know anything about Lovecraft. Like, oh, okay. God bless us. You, you live in New England. I'm like, have you seen these things called books? You know, they don't require <laughs> an electric plug or anything that you can read them, you know? <laughs> So, yeah, I went more for, like, sort of the um, paranormal, you know, not a ghost hunter, but more of some, like, a ghost researcher that would, you know, log and and go these places and investigate, you know, and explain mm-hmm. to you, we have these artifacts in front of you, you know, let's let's see if there's any basis for the legend that, like, has been wove around them. Mm-hmm. So you take some of the modalities like psychometry, which is the reading of objects and uh, the uh, the seance stuff itself, and, and you 
meld mm-hmm. them together too. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time when I do a seance, I do, I, I do a regular, like, you know, what I would consider like, uh, it's not a dark seance because there's not completely blackness, but it's, you know, I mean, the lights are dimmed, you know, I just, I, I don't want to, there's too much that's involved in doing a complete blackout seance. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's fine. I'll do a, I'll do a full light or a like medium, medium dark seance, but not a, those are actually better Vlad, because people are much more, I think they they would be much more, uh, Odd by them than a black because wouldn't you think so, Leslie? I mean that because you could hide things in the dark versus uh, a visual where you could see actually what's going on. Yeah, I, I believe that's true because you know people don't trust things that are going on in the dark because you know you can do things you know underhandedly. Um, I I think that candlelight is a really good medium for for um, a seance because you can have enough to see and you can tell what's going on. And it also creates an atmosphere where it almost um, invites uh, things to happen. So. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, if it's complete blackness, I mean, you know, if you want to, you know, that's fine for a haunted attraction because like you're playing on the phobia of like being in complete blackness. Mm-hmm. But um, when you're doing a show, I need people to pay attention. And mm-hmm. I can't have them, you know, partially listening to uh, an introduction or some part that's going to be critical to the effect later on when I'm telling a story. You know, I don't want them to go, I don't know why that happened and I don't care now. You know, I mm-hmm. need them to follow along with me. And if they're more worried about whether something's going to creep up alongside them in the blackness or they just don't trust the person sitting next to them, then you have more issues. So, yeah, I mean, Magic is, it's a good, a good paranormal tool, actually, because you could, like Harry Houdini used to do and, and mm-hmm. his seances, because he, he had a background in it, and he was able to uh, expose some of the uh, false, fake mediums. So it's mm-hmm. a good tool for the paranormal. I think uh, Lloyd Arbeck uh, uh, is a trained musician, um, mm-hmm. and of course... Do you remember Sigourney Weaver in uh, Red Lights, uh, which yeah. she would yeah. do the same thing? Yeah. It's a, and a it's lot a... of people, you know, sort of are under under the misin, misinformation that Houdini hated mediums. He hated ones that were trying to bilk people and take advantage of people that were grieving. But he actually, like, was really disappointed that, you know, no one could contact his mother he felt that if anybody could get through the veil, it would be his beloved mother, you know, and when no one could reach her, that's why he sort of like went on a little bit of a tirade because he's like, well, if nobody can like reach my mother. I don't know that there, you know, is anything else because she would of course be able to get through. Right. I think uh, the, the tipping point was of course, when Sir Arthur Cawthon Doyle invited him to a seance with his wife, who was mm-hmm. a medium and, he exposed her because of uh, the way she, the, the words she said stuff. He knew that it wasn't his mother. So, yeah, because I mean, that, he was speaking in, in English because she didn't know like English that well. She spoke exclusively in Yiddish. So, and, and additionally, she called him a name that he 
that was not the name he ever called her. I mean, she ever called him. Yeah. It, was, it was his name, so they were able to. Yeah, she called him Harry or something, and it was like his name was Eric. So it was like, yeah. you know, okay. <laughs> Excuse me. So, I mean. But um, during that whole time period, there's a lot of people were, you know, I mean, seance, you know, people think that, like, they sort of wonder about when they hear seance. They're, like, either very interested or they think it's very strange, but they don't realize you know, during the Victorian period and right after the Civil War and things like that, and up to up till like World War One, that seances were very popular. You know that like you know, they were done in people's like drawing rooms and the White know, House, their houses, yeah, their White yeah. House. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean it, it was popular, and, and and I'm sure like Leslie, who was a, a medium, is that it would irritate her that someone would attempt to deceive uh would you would it uh, Liz? <laughs> i base everything that i do on truth and nothing but the truth matters to me so anyone who's deceptive or underhanded that that takes credibility credibility away from people like me who are honest and, and just trying to help you know and so people who are deceptive in um, the medium realm and it's just a bad rap for everybody, you know. It's 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 not a good thing. It doesn't. Yeah. And, that, and that's sort of like when we do when we do our things as magicians. There's sort of a, you know, a theatrical social contract that you know you know you're going into a theatrical presentation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same way people are like, well, you, know, you have to have a disclaimer, and I'm like, no, I don't. Do, do, do you ever see a disclaimer before Phantom of the Opera or Les Mis? You know, did they have to explain to you that you weren't really going to be transported to the French Revolution? <laughs> they said, if it's, it's a theatrical, if you're buying a ticket to something, it's a theatrical presentation. So, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, just don't push people's buttons as far as, you know, using their grief for your profit. You know, just mm-hmm. make sure that, you know, and it's, I, you know, everything that you do, I mean, I do a... I have a routine, you know, and it's sort of one of those things that I do once in a while. For I have a couple of routines that are based on serial killers. And, uh, you know, people are like, well, you know, isn't that kind of like, you know, you know, making profit off of like someone's, I go, no, the problem is, I go, when, when I first got the routine, um, you know, you, you mentioned what Jeffrey Dahmer did and, uh, when you go through the different cards, when I first got it, the person that created it had these like people that were not, you know, victims that, you know, Jeff Palmer had killed. Mm-hmm. And his, his explanation was, I didn't want to, you know, sort of upset someone that may have like been related or knew of like one of the, which makes sense. I said, yeah. But, but the flip side of that is by by changing it and lying and whitewashing it and not what the what the present when when you're presenting it what you have to do is you have to switch it where you're not glorifying Dahmer and you're exposing like how much these people suffered so you need to like make sure that the facts stand on their own and that the people that actually were murdered, like are remembered respectfully. Mm-hmm. 
that's why, you know, to me, I was like, you need to actually have the people there because it's disrespectful to the dead to, like, change the story. They said, you know, you can't, like, sort of whitewash this and, like, come up with this weird, you know, because when he created the cards, they were pretty much like all, you know, these, like, college boys. Yeah, the only thing make that legit would be change the name of the serial killer to some fictitious name, then the whole thing's fiction, so... Then it, well, then you like ruin the whole like, and you're recreating another. Effect. Yeah, I know. I is, totally like, understand that. Yeah. Yeah, my thing is like, you know what? If you're going to relay history, like, make sure it's factual, and just don't like, don't candy coat like murderers or serial killers, like expose them to the brightest light of daylight, you know, and mm-hmm. and and make sure people remember the people that were like you know, had these tragedies befall them so that it's, it's a, uh, it's a factual learning thing that people might, you know, might not have known about. Because, I mean, when you mention some things, like, you know, most people know about, you know, uh, Jack the Ripper, you know, but when you mention things about how many people died at Gettysburg, not, not a lot of people know, like, how many people died at Gettysburg. So it's it's these points of like you know history that's not been taught anymore that sort of has to be incorporated into the performance where you're sort of laying the foundation of you know I don't want to say teaching but being informative you know during the presentation where everything can be scrutinized where you know yeah. if I make a mistake I want somebody to tell me later on but like I want them to be able to like if I mention something about Borley Rectory I want them to be able to like later on sit at a coffee table so unfortunately I am going to have to interrupt you right now because we have to take a break sure. uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Leslie right here on Tojanet and our special guest tonight is Vlad <laughs> And we are brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 286 Merrimack Street in Bethune, Massachusetts, the Gallant Messier family of our group, 15 High Street in North Andover, Massachusetts. And of course, our very, very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio and Patreon, become a member. Uh, it's three bucks a month. And you don't have to sign up forever. You can sign up for as long or as short as you want. It can go monthly. Uh, so check it out, Ghost Chronicles Radio. We'll be right back at following messages. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Located in Illinois, there lies a sleepy little town where nothing is a common occurrence. You going to that party in town tonight? Heck yeah! I only turned 18 once. That is until the night of celebration. Where the hell is she? Oh no. 
No, 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 Jessica! Creators of Shadowhunters fighting me comes a tale of primal terror. Grind called Mayhem. Shadowhunters, kill Jessica! Kill! <laughs> I am speaking to you via the medium of the ghost box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Parax Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I am required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. And we're back. Leslie didn't take us back. (laughs) (laughs) That's not my job. (laughs) Yes! Uh, You're listening to the Chronicles. Yeah, right here on uh, Tojanet Radio. Uh, I am Ron Kolick. My co-host is Leslie Martin. And our special guest today is Vlad. So uh, thank you for being here, Vlad. Uh, If somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to, to do that? Uh, they can contact me through my my website, which is gothicmagic.com. You know, okay, we will definitely make sure that's up on the page. There. Yeah. So it was a nice segue. You had a, a mention from uh, Harry Price just as I went off the talking about Borley Rectory. So. Absolutely. It's <laughs> uh, S- Steve Parsons, of course, is is a uh, a big Harry Price aficionado and has all kinds yeah. of memorabilia from him and so forth. I have actually a pair of uh, Harry Price's glasses. Very cool. Cool stuff. Anyway, uh, so before the break, we were talking uh, to Vlad about uh, different things. And one of the things uh, he had just finished up with uh, was the, uh, I can never get it, a bunch of letters conference. You want to explain that? Uh, the one we just finished in January was the yes. ECSS, which is the East Coast Spirit Sessions. 
Thank you. <laughs> Myrtle Beach in January. Right. What this is year, that? Like? We actually had. Um, it is a gathering of uh, bizarre magicians and seance performers. Um, we had this year. We had someone that was also a collector of uh, paranormal things, Calvin Bond Crush, who that uh, brought a collection of talking boards and antique uh, planchettes and different things like that. And we mm-hmm. had this is the first time this year we actually had six seances plus all Amazing. the workshops and shows. So. Yeah, it's, it's grown. It was sort of like this. This was our biggest year. We had, I think, over uh, over 120 people. So, excellent. It sounds like a good time. That's a lot it of people. Is, it's sort of like a, because there weren't there weren't really. Uh, I mean, years ago there was the other you know convention that was up in Connecticut, the Inner Circle of Bizarre Magic. But then when I moved down south, I, I needed something that was not 14 hours away. So yeah, I, I got right. in touch with like Rich Labengood and a couple other Steve Gibson, a couple other people, and we put together the East Coast Spirit Sessions just because we wanted something, you know, down there that would focus more on seances. Now in March we have uh, the Pose Magic Conference, which is a little broader because it's not just bizarre. We opened it up a little more where it's bizarre and theatrical storytelling. Oh. So one focuses on seances and the other is more on storytelling and bizarre. So, you know, cause some so that is coming up when, 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 Vlad? That would be March 15th through 17th in Baltimore, Maryland. And where can people get tickets for that if they're interested? Uh, they can go to the website, which let me just make sure I don't like add anything or take it away. Let's, it is yeah. Pose Magic Conference. Uh, .com. There you go. Check it out. We'll put that up on our March website. March 15th too. through 17th, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, we also have like a, the, the hotel itself there is haunted, the Lord Baltimore. And oh, we sweet. also have tied in with the Edgar Allan Poe house. So we're, we're Vince Wilson and I are at the uh, International Edgar Allan Poe Festival every year. And so then this way we actually have the capability during the uh, Pose Magic Conference to bring people up on a tour of the grave site and see it up there, like up, up at the Westminster Chapel. There. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, yeah, speaking of speaking of Steve Gibson, by the way, I have to tell you a funny story. Uh, he did uh, Spirit Quest a few years back, and uh, he did, I, I think it was the time, the Titanic thing or something. I mean, he's been there before. Uh, Rick Lavenwood has too. He he did a uh, red light science, I believe, as well. But he did it, and Jan's sister went to this presentation that he did, and uh, it was funny because uh, she thought it was real even afterwards. Uh, it was only that I said, no, 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 no. It, it was just you know magic. It was <laughs> so that's how well, good it's real. That, it's real and- real until lights come on right <laughs> yeah i mean it's it is real what you see is is but it's it's magic but uh you know that's how good it is you know people are just thinking you know oh, this is you know whatever you can see it you well, know, that was the it, underlying that was the underlying concept from the original bizarre magic 
is that a bunch of magicians that created the style called Bizarre Magic decided they didn't want to be viewed as jugglers or uh, people that did just card tricks or, you know, any kind of like kid shows. They wanted to get back to the tradition of being a magician where it was, you know, wisely sage or sorcerer image you know, where there was more respectability and people didn't immediately, if you said you were a magician, they went, did, do you do kid shows? Uh, you know, so they, they came up with the concept of Bizarre, which was, you know, at that point in time when it first started, a lot of it was based on on H.P. Uh, Lovecraft and that type of, you know, like writings, like sort of like the the weird fiction type writings. I mean, when, when I branched off and started doing, you know, the things that I'm now calling phasmology is a lot of my stuff focuses more on like M.R. James and, you know, like classic ghost stories and like ghost, you know, haunted places that are international that people can access information about, you know, rather than, you know, sorcerers like that. I wanted them to be able to like know that these places existed you know, and possibly travel to them if they were close enough. So, mm, excellent. Yeah. So, do you have any questions, uh, Les? While you're there, I've been dominating. Sorry about that. That's okay. I, I don't mind at all. Um, I do have a question. Do you get? Do you ever get annoyed that you know people stereotype magicians? I think that part of it. I mean, it's like sort of. It's kind of like past magicians, like sort of laziness that, like, let them stereotype them. I mean, because, like, before, I mean, there are only, like, several archetypes of, like, traditional, I mean, you can go back to, like, back in the day, like, when Channing Pollock and things was, were around, um, but before, you know, it's, like, sort of, like, the first one that most people probably that are still around remember would be Blackstone, and then right after Blackstone, we had oh, yeah. Henning. And then now there's David Copperfield and David Blaine and Chris Angel. Can tell us? Yeah. I mean, but like there are very few names that most people can spout off. I mean, if unless you're in the industry, you can't really. I mean, most people don't know that there are like, all, you know, quite a few women magicians. You know, they went, oh, there's no women. I'm like, no, there aren't. That's true. Women. Yeah, you, you really no. don't. Yeah. So it's like it's our job to like remind people of that and change the, you know, and then that's what people, you know, sort of like when I was doing a show in in Salem, somebody came up and they saw uh, Green Wolf's picture next to mine. And uh, there was, you know, someone else who was doing a show with us named Sean Phoenix. And they saw those two pictures and then they saw mine. And and this was like a, a family that were going to interested in buying tickets. And they said, uh, well, those two guys we might think are possibly family friendly, but we don't know about you. Are you? Fa- yeah. I, I said, I said, to be perfectly honest, no. And I think Good they looked you. at me like sort of like no one had ever told them no before. <laughs> and I said, and I'll explain. I said, there are no there's no foul language. There's no blood and gore. There's no, uh, you know, any kind of off-color things in the show. I said, but I do reference literature and historical places. I said, so if your child has not read Edgar Allan Poe, you know, then they'll probably feel a little lost when I start to reference some of the other things. 
And both of the parents looked at us and said, well, we've never read Edgar Allan Poe either. And I said, then my show is not for any of you. <laughs> Move along. You know, yeah, I know. Not to like, here. You know, perfectly okay, like sort of like saying like this is not a show for you. You know, it's like it's the you know when when Blockbuster used to exist, you know, people would roam up and down the aisles, and if you didn't want horror, then you didn't walk down the horror aisle. You know, so I'm like, I'm okay saying this show is not for you. I don't need to make a show for everybody. I need to make a show that, like, in, you know, enthralls me and makes me passionate to want to perform it. And hopefully the people that want to see it will come to it. You know, Which makes then, you a better you know, performer I, in, the, uh, in the long run when yeah, you are so invested in your material, right? Yeah, and, and, you know, and I spend a lot of time, like, sort of, like, researching things and making artifacts look as authentic as they can and, you know, having, if I have, like, pseudo-documents in my thing, I make sure that they're as realistic as possible. And, you know, I go the extra step to make sure that you're having, an, you know, I want people to have an experience versus go, oh, that was cute. You must have practiced that for a long time. You know, I, I want them to walk out the door and go, I don't know what happened, but I don't know if it was real or not. Do you you know, get that's people, where you're blurring the line. So, Do you get people that go to see you that that go to do, expose you, basically? No, no. Because most of the time they don't either want to stand next to me or touch anything that I have. <laughs> so, you know. so like me. Yeah. Well, I, I have to say, to I, I have to say, I've stood next to you in person. You're an imposing person. I mean, <laughs> I can understand if I need where to, people I'll, feel that. And if I need to, I will use that on stage. If I feel someone's going to be like looking to press buttons and and they're uncomfortable on stage, I will move closer to them. Use your energy, right? Yeah, and they'll usually move away, and I'll move closer again just to let them know that they're not like in control, you know, and then they go, Oh, okay. You know, and then they're like passive, you know, but you know, and I'm not really like, I'm not trying to, I don't do anything that other magicians do. So it's not like they can, you know, other than like the couple of like parlor shows that I have from the East coast spirit sessions up on YouTube, I don't have any routines that, you know, people are going to be able to, really go through and because they're all ones that I've created so it's not like they can go oh that's so and so from you know Joe's Magic Store you know it's all stuff that I've spent time to create and you know therefore it's not like something that I could mass market and sell because it doesn't fit anyone else except for me I'm curious uh, Leslie when did you meet Vlad? He came to Spirit Quest I don't think I you had. No, and there was a night of uh, Vlad magic that you had at the uh, VZ Estate uh, no. one night. And, no. Uh, no, he was there. And um, yeah, I remember Vlad, him. We'll make it, we'll make it simple. Vlad, have you ever been to Spirit Quest? I was at the, like, the VZ Estate. Yeah, he was I a, haven't been to yeah. Spirit Quest. It was the VZ Estate. It was a, it was a separate yeah. night of Vlad oh. magic. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That yeah, and then I did Dining with the Dead. So Yes, Dining with the Dead, of course, was I think that was your first event with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is great. Which I hear I still, you still have the Lizzie Borden paper with you. I still have the Lizzie Borden paper 
Rick, yes, that I got from that magic. And, and speaking of uh, exposing, I remember that you did at that event, you did a trick where you had, well, excuse me, you performed magic uh, <laughs> where you had a key in your hand and the key moved. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and yep. Maureen went and tried all kinds of things. She finally think she said, look, I think I can do this. And, and she showed it to me. Which is was kind That's of funny. Like sort of, you know, it's like sort of like that. That pretty much worked the same concept as a pendulum. So mm-hmm. it's like if you want to dedicate that much time to like working with it, it's going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's like, but most people don't want to dedicate that much time to learning it. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's yeah, it's the, the crazy and and it's like I don't understand why you do that. It's I guess it's kind of like I don't know. You just. I have no idea. I mean, but we you do have that. I remember uh, when Maureen and I were writing a book, I forget which one, but uh, she said, oh, I got this great video from Eastern State Penitentiary from Mali because uh, uh, it's supposedly haunted by a child. If you throw the ball down the aisle, then the, then the, the ball comes was, came back and she has this, mm-hmm. this video of the, exactly that happened. And I, I says, yeah, but th- there's a lot of factors in that, Maureen. I mean, we we don't really know. I wasn't there, so I can't really judge it as, as paranormal or not. But I, I know you can reproduce that. And I went downstairs. She had one of those exercise balls, and I just took it. And, and when I rolled it, I rolled it with a certain spin, and it's exactly what it did. It went out for quite a while and then came back to me, just as though it was pushed back by a girl, just as like in the video. And she was mad at me. Yeah, but that's I mean, another story. It's like a lot of times, though, it's like sort of like you know, it's like we have to you know examine these things like with you know precise factors. You know, it's like sort of you know we come up with a theory and people are like, well, this is the way it's done. It's like no, because A, B, C, and D. Mm-hmm. And it's like the only thing I've just eliminated your theories. You know, and the only thing left is me to actually explain it to you, which I'm not going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, most people are like, oh. <laughs> right yeah how do you do that do you ever get that i get it a lot and it's like sort of like people like oh you know the problem is i i started <laughs> before i was a magician <clears throat> doing special effects ma- uh, makeup the problem is like once you learn special effects makeup you will never ever be able to watch a movie the same ever again because <laughs> you will constantly be looking for where the blend lines are, like whether the oh, shading geez. matches, everything else. You will be ripping apart details. And I said, that's the way. I said, and the steps of magic is that when you get into magic, everything is cool. And you want to buy every trick that you ever see. That's true. I said, and then someone explains them to you. They said, now there's this crestfallen feeling that you got fooled by a very simple principle. Mm-hmm. I said, and then you have to stop and take the extra time to sit back and think about why you get fooled and how skilled the person was to be able to make you not pay attention to what the actual answer was. I said, and then you get back to the respect of the performance. I said, but most people aren't going to take that journey. They're just going to sit there and go, how is it done? Okay, that sucks. So on that note where we ask you to do, explain tricks, I will do that on a general thing is how do you come up with a particular 
uh, presentation. In other words, I mean, it's it's quite a production. It's not like you know, it's matter. It's it, it takes a, a lot of work and a lot of sure. thinking and a lot, a lot of, of things. So, yeah. So how do how do you start of... off with the the thing? And uh, you know, I'm not going to get into particulars of how each trick is done, but I'm just saying the concept of it. How do you develop the concept usually, of the thing? I usually have to like. I usually don't do individual tricks. I usually. Look to I hate using that word, by the way. An entire show. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I usually create a, a themed premise. Mm-hmm. So let's say we're doing like Borley. So I have to say what what is involved in Borley. Well, we have Reverend Bull, we have Harry Price, we have the building itself. What would people expect to like know about that? Well, people are going to expect maybe an object that was at the seance Harry Price did at Borley. Well, what was at the Borley seance? Well, you know, he had some scientific equipment. One of the things I had someone create for me, though, is one of the automatic writing planchettes that was used during the Harry Price seance. You know, and then I have (laughs) pictures from like, Reverend Bull and pictures of Reverend Bull's daughters and pictures of Borley Rectory that the like windows are boarded up and walled up and different things to like lead into different things that can be different steps of effects. But you have to sort of like, you know, what is the, and that's, that's why I sort of changed from the vampire imagery to the phasmology because I was battling against a billion dollar industry of media where they were like, well, this is what vampires look like. You know, they look like anorexic emo teenagers. And I'm like, okay, no, they don't. Like, if you go back to Bram Stoker, it's not the imagery that's there. And Christopher Lee and Bela Lugosi, and they're like, no, nope, no they st- sparkle. What was, yeah. What was the original one? Nostri. Nosferatu. Oh, yeah, thank yeah, you Nosferatu very much. Was the oh, that was creepy. As, that was creepy <laughs> as hell. Max, Max Shrek. You know, there there was that imagery and that like folklore and history and heritage. But, you know, most of the audiences now don't really, unless they're aficionados, don't go the extra step to know about those. So the general public, you have to go with, but, you know, okay, they like ghosts. Well, how many different ghost shows are there? You know, I mean, if you watch the ones that are on now we have everybody from like teenagers to like guys that are in their 50s driving like you know cheerleaders raised up pickup trucks and like you know hunting bigfoot on weekends and looking for ghosts like the other five days of the week and then we have like you know a bunch of other people that are are doing you know investigation so there's a wide range so it's it hasn't been pigeonholed as much as like sort of like the vampire archetype, mm-hmm. you know, and ghost ghost stories have been fascinating for people since, you know, probably the 1500s or before. So, Oh, sure. Yeah, definitely before. But you do in your presentations, do you start off? I mean, you start off with the premise, you develop it. Do you have an ending in mind or what do you that you think you're going to work to or or how does that work? Depending on the theme of things, um, like the Gettysburg one I do is just an exploration of the artifacts that I have. 
I say okay. these have been given to me or I've acquired them. And we're going to see if any of you can pick anything up from them. And we're going to explore the history that's with them. You know, and then I go into each of the different things with some of the background about Gettysburg and things like that. And I remind people, you know, which is what I use with the key. I say, well, you know, you have to think that most people believe that a house can be haunted with the death of one or more people. I said, what do you think would happen to an area of land that saw 50,000 people die on it? Mm-hmm. And then right. they go, oh. I didn't never thought of that. That's really creepy. Thank you for telling me. <laughs> there we go. You know, would might be. I mean, we did the like we did one of the early or Pose Magic was Pose Magic. It was bizarre hauntings, and we did one in Gettysburg, and we had some of the people come over from England, and they're like, "Well, we don't know anything about Gettysburg. Why is it important to American history?" And we're like, "Here we go." <laughs> ride of like history and then one of the guys that actually was at the convention had been a tour guide for Gettysburg so he still had like a license to be a tour guide he goes jump in the car and follow me in like the other car and I will bring you through the, the battleground and I'll explain <laughs> to you why it's important right and they're like okay now we understand yeah I've been there a few times uh, uh, I work with Mark Nesbitt who runs the Ghost of Gettysburg mm-hmm. Tours and uh, we've done some investigations. That's a that's a very cool place. It's it's got that that uh, you know ambiance to it, I guess, and the history behind it. A presence, yeah. It's it's and that's you know, I get people that are skeptics and they go, well, you don't really believe that there's anything there. I go, you know what? It's not my job to teach you one way or the other whether there is anything there or there isn't anything there. All I can say is, go there and feel it for yourself. Mm-hmm. I go, well, I can't. People that have been there have felt something. Mm-hmm. You know? But uh, unfortunately, it looks like we've run out of time again, Vlad. So once again, uh, you have a, a uh, event coming up. Uh, it's called mm-hmm. Post Magic Conference at the Lord Baltimore Hotel in Baltimore. That sounds it's cool. It's interesting how that works there. And then it's March 15th through 17th. So. Mm-hmm. And for more information on Vlad, you can go to his website, which is? Gothicmagic.com. Okay. Like I said, we'll put both of those up on our our page as well. So, Vlad, we want to thank you so much for joining us. It's always great to talk to you. We'll have to get you back up here again sometime because I always love your uh, presentations, and I thought they were very cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. it. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. So it's like, you know, next time, if you don't want me to like sort of bounce back and forth, like we can, you know, hammer out a con- like a topic ahead of time, like, because I. Oh, a topic. Like, that would be different. Yeah. <laughs> topic. What's that? <laughs> yeah. we, I heard, I've heard about them. Never had one. But, uh, yeah. <clears throat> but that's anyways. why I do themed events, like sort of like, so when people come there, they like. Hey, you're not going to do rabbits from hats. It's like, no, it says Gettysburg show on the door. Uh-huh. Isn't it? <laughs> but the good thing about to... bouncing back and fa- back and forth with you is we learned so much more about you. We learned so much about you this evening, and it was a pleasure having you. Yeah, thank you. And it, and it's, so any... it's a pleasure being with you. Anyways, sort of like, you know, you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles. 
Next Generation right here on TojiNet. And we're brought to you by Circles with 286 Merrimack Street, Bethune, Massachusetts, the Glant Messier Stanley Law Group. Good night, everyone. God bless. And see you next week. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.